PR. It's not just a catchphrase. It's a passion. And it's a career. But sometimes, it can be a headache. So sit back and recover with this PR Hangover, a podcast of Grand Valley State University's chapter of PRSSA. I'm your host, Brady Mills, and this is probably the only hangover you'll ever look forward to. Journalists and PR pros have two very different careers, but there are some key similarities between the two. And one of those similarities is the importance of understanding how the words we use impact the communities into which we're communicating. Bryce Huffman is a reporter and producer at Bridge Detroit, a nonprofit, nonpartisan news source on the east side of the state. He has a lot of experience in communicating about difficult community issues and bringing voices to people and making sure that they are heard. All that said, Bryce has some great words of wisdom for students, and I hope you'll stick around to the end to hear how we can go about entering the career of either journalism or public relations. Welcome, Bryce. Thank you so much for being here today. Um, before we just hop into the content questions, I do, I would love, love our listeners to get to know you a little bit. So if you could just tell us, you know, if you had to write a book and you do a lot of writing, but if you had to put it into a book, uh, what, what book would that be? And what would it be about? Uh, it's funny you mentioned that I've actually, uh, been working on a movie script right now. Uh, so if I was going to write a book, uh, if it wasn't going to just be a book version of the movie, uh, I would write about being a young journalist during the Trump presidency and all of the craziness that, that, uh, that, that meant. <laughs> wow. Wow. So you're making a movie script about that right now? Well, no, the movie, the movie is completely separate oh, okay. from that. But okay, okay. if I was going to, if I was going to write a book that wasn't based on the movie, okay, that I I writing, that's what I would, that's what I would write about. Wow, that would be an intense read. I imagine that, because yeah, I think even like the one, the journalism classes I've had to take, um, the way that that has shaped what we talk about. And I right. can't even imagine that. It's funny. I was, I was like a junior when uh, he had announced that he was going to run. And it was at the tail end of my junior year. And everyone was like, oh my God, this guy is crazy. There's no way he's going to win. And like there was me and maybe like a few other people in my class that were like, oh, no, he could win. I've been to I've been to certain parts of Michigan where, yeah, I could see him winning. <laughs> uh, well, OK, yeah, let's jump in then. So what what do you do right now? Could you just give us a brief synopsis of the work and the writing that you do? Yeah, uh, right now I am a reporter and producer for Bridge Detroit. Uh, we're a nonprofit newsroom that is really focused on telling the stories of underserved Detroiters, uh, people who've been here for a long time, stuck out really difficult financial times, um, stuck out, you know, bankruptcy, stuck out, you know, the massive tax foreclosures, uh, and people who, you know, just deserve to have their stories told and deserve to be uh, given kind of a voice in a media landscape that, you know, can really often ignore them. Uh, so what I do now, uh, I this isn't necessarily my beat per se. Um, it, and it's never been said in those explicit terms, but I primarily cover uh, community and police relations. Uh, we have a pretty big police department here. So uh, anything that goes on with police and resident matters are kind of the things I cover most, but occasionally I cover other things like uh, black businesses, um, just like different events around the city, affordable housing related issues. So cover a little bit of everything, but mostly going to be focused on police and community relations. Okay. And, and just for my knowledge, like is, is nonprofit news reporting, is that, is that common? Are there a lot of nonprofit newsrooms? 
Yeah. Um, I think people uh, often don't think about it as like a nonprofit newsroom, but um, you know, NPR nonprofit news, you know, they, they are not um, selling ads on their website. They're not um, bombarding you with ads in their air coverage. Uh, same for any PBS station that does news, you know, those are nonprofit newsrooms and bridge Detroit uh, and bridge Michigan, which is our uh, kind of like big brother or big sister type company. Uh, they're also a nonprofit. Okay. Okay. Yeah. No, that totally makes sense then. Um, so now I would love to talk because I think I think PR practitioners can hear a lot of advice um, and learn from this as well. But you cover a lot of important community issues that tend to be difficult to talk about or they either haven't been talked about or people aren't aware of them. Um, right. I, I guess I'd be curious because I know I know you've done this on the West side, too. Uh, of Michigan, like where, where do you, where does that boldness come from to tackle those things, to, to dive in and to cover um, what could be sensitive issues? Uh, you know, it's, it's funny you said that. Uh, and when I was looking over the questions, I saw that was one of the questions. Uh, I don't think I ever thought of it as a boldness until later in like, it, you know, maybe more recently in my career. Um, I think what it really comes from is trying to tell stories about people Um and trying to tell stories that maybe haven't been told before or tell them in a way that hasn't been done before. Uh, so, you know, like you said, I, I do tackle a lot of difficult subject matters. A lot of um, interviews leave me grabbing the tissue box <laughs> to wipe away tears. Um, but, but I really think it just comes from, you know, trying to tell the stories of people who feel like they're being ignored. And have you found that in that um, prioritization of people and their stories. Have you been able to build some strong relationships um, through the process? Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, anytime you do a story where you end up crying during the interview, like you feel like you just formed a bond with someone, <laughs> you know, it's a very, you know, as a, a professional journalist, like it's not an easy thing to be like that vulnerable in front of somebody. Uh, so I've definitely bonded with some of the people I've interviewed before. Um, a lot of these people have been through really hard things. You know, some of them have lost children. Some of them have um, been injured themselves, you know, in, in various ways. So, uh, yeah, I definitely uh, still keep in touch with a lot of the people I interviewed. Uh, I love that you mentioned, you know, some of the reporting I did in West Michigan, because I still keep in contact with a lot of those folks as well. Mm. That's really cool. And so on the other side of that, have you faced a lot of backlash for your work, especially I, I would imagine covering the, the police relationships? police community relationships? Yeah, it's interesting. It, you know, I don't know if backlash is the right word, um, but I've definitely made some people in the police department raise their eyebrows at me. Um, when I go up during any of their press conferences to the podium to ask questions, you know, like you could see a couple of them kind of roll their eyes, you know, like they know I'm going to ask something that they're probably not trying to talk about or trying to answer. Um, but I also think part of that comes from, you know, they know I've got a job to do and I know they've got a job to do. And as long as I respect kind of the professionalism of both, uh, both, you know, priorities that are there, um, you know, it hasn't ever gotten out of hand Yeah, I should knock on wood because <laughs> I could totally see it getting out of hand at some point. Well, I was just about to ask, like, um, and, and then you were on the podcast before to talk about this, but the relationship, professional relationship between PR people per se, but the, the voices of institutions and, and the reporting voice and um, that relationship is obviously very key. So when you go about these issues that are maybe more tense, um, how do you, are you able to build a relationship? Is it just professional? Is it beyond professional? 
um, with the, the departments that you're, I mean, the police might be a good example then, um, but what does your relationship look like with those communications pieces on, on the police side of things? You know, it's funny. Um, there's, there's a couple of communications people in the police department who I talk to, you know, almost every day or like, you know, a few times a week. And uh, I think the way that the relationship works is, you know, I tell them really honestly and openly, hey, this is the story I'm doing. This might not be comfortable or, or nice for you guys, but, you know, this is what I'm trying to figure out. How would I figure this out? How would I go about answering these questions? Um, and when you're really like open and honest and, and you just, you know, lay it all out for people and you, you show them your cards, more often than not, they kind of respect that and they, they are willing to help you out, especially if you're young and you're new in your career. Um, they're always willing to make sure you fully understand things before you report them. Uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, I, in, in the police department, I mean, I think that's probably like the easiest example because those are the people I talk to so often. Um, when I see them in person, you know, like there's no animosity. It's just, hey, man, I'm glad you guys are doing well. I'm doing well. You know, let's let's both do our jobs. And, you know, we all want the same thing. We want Detroiters to be safe and live long, happy lives. And they're going about it their way and I'm going about it my way. Hmm. Okay. So if we could build off that, what then have you, have you had frustrating interactions with communications people before that or PR people that you're like, wow, they are really not getting it. Um, and there's a better way to do this. Yeah. I've had it. A, I've had it in a few different ways. So with the police department, I think the frustrating thing is there are going to be times where uh, me and my editor are talking about like, how do we, tell this story in a way that doesn't make the police look bad necessarily. Right. Or we want to do this story about this difficult thing, but we're not trying to make it seem like we're anti-police or we're anti this person in the department. We really want to highlight the thing they're doing to make a difference. Right. Uh, and it can be frustrating at times when the police department um, is kind of hush on certain information that would help them look better in our eyes, you know, you know, for a story I did a month or two ago um, was about the number of sexual assaults in Detroit. And I was like, the department said they're going to change their approach and they're going to do these things. I'm trying to make them look like the proactive department that they say they are. Right. And then when I asked them for certain stats and certain data, you know, I just didn't get it, you know, and I was like, well, why wouldn't you give that data if we're trying to make you look like the heroes of this story? But it's also, I understand it from their side. It's, you know, they can't give out certain personal information. They can't give out some data that might interfere with the strategy that they're going with. So uh, even when it is frustrating for the police department, like I more or less understand why they're being that way. There's another instance where uh, I just did a story on a gunfire detection system called ShotSpotter. And they're a private company based out of California and they're working with a PR firm to kind of handle, you know, coordinating interviews and getting their message out. So, you know, I reached out to them and we did an interview. After the interview, they didn't like how I covered something. And at first I was frustrated, but then we talked it out and we figured out how to like kind of reach that middle ground. And um, I think that's really what it comes down to. It's like you, you got to see things from the PR side of it a little bit as a journalist and understand like, okay, even if I'm really interested in getting this story out this way and, and framing it this way, what might they think about it when they read it? You know, they're trying to, you know, work for their client. You know, what is it that 
their client said or did that I reported wrong or not a way that they liked? And how can we, you know, try to fix that? Because, you know, like you said, this is an ongoing relationship. A lot of these people in uh, communications are people that I'm going to be talking to for the next few years of my life. So, you know, I, I got to make sure that even if I do a story that they don't like, or that they, they don't necessarily love the way I did it, that I did my job and did my due diligence so that even if they don't like it, you know, they can kind of live with it and move on from it. Hmm. That's very well said. So you said that um, you try to look at things from a PR perspective. How can PR people look at things from a journalism perspective and be better at that? That's a great question. Uh, I think the, the example that comes to mind right away is kind of when PR professionals uh, send out email press releases and they're like, hey, would you be interested in covering this? Uh, I think the, the easiest way that PR, young PR professionals can kind of like improve at this is tailoring their email to the specific news outlet or reporter that they're reaching out to, right? So if I have an outlet that, you know, I work for Bridge Detroit, so we're focused primarily on Detroit and Metro Detroit. You know, if you're trying to get me to cover something in Traverse City, you know, like that's a tough sell. You know, if you, if you don't have a Detroit specific angle to it, when you email me nine times out of 10, I'm just going to email you back, not interested, you know, or, you know, if I email you back at all. Um, so I think that is one of the things that PR professionals, you gotta, you know, when you're pitching a story, you gotta think like, all right, why would this outlet cover this thing? You know, beyond it's my job to get word out, you know, why would they want to cover this? You know, you got to kind of like sell them on it a little bit. And even if they're not interested, you know, it, that's not necessarily always the end of the conversation. Sometimes it's like, Hey, I know you're not interested in that thing. I hit you up about last week, but there's something coming up that might interest you a little bit more. Here's some more information about it. Let's, let's chat about it when we get a chance. So it's things like that. They're like kind of the little finer points of doing this job that uh, people just kind of pick up over time. Hmm. We, we talk about pitching and email pitching a lot in our media relations curriculum. Are there specific things that people do that grab your attention in a good email pitch um, that you could be like that, that you either look for or um, that have stood out to you in the past? Yeah. Um, and I've, and I normally, uh, when I'm reading through my emails in the morning, uh, I kind of differentiate them in two ways. If my name is mentioned, uh, in the email, I'm much more likely to read it. Uh, or if they mention, Hey, you covered this thing before, this is something that might interest you that way. It's like, okay, they're not just pitching me this thing. They're pitching me this thing as a piece of an ongoing narrative. Uh, so that always grabs my attention. And there have actually been times where, uh, as I'm sure you know, I'm a young reporter. Sometimes I just don't have the bandwidth to cover things. Um, and I see that pitch and I'm like, I, I wish I had the time to do this. So I reach out to them and I let them know, hey, I am interested. I can't do this right now. I'm going to see if someone else from my outlet can do this because I think this is cool. Um, so those are like the little things that for me, you know, they kind of stand out. Uh, things that I would caution any PR professional against doing. Um, if you're emailing a private email or, or, you know, a specific email, like if someone's sending my individual email, a press release, if they say, hi, Bridge Detroit, I'm already like less likely to read it. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why, like in my brain, that's just how it works. Like if it's not addressed to me, I'm like, oh, they sent it to everybody. I don't need to look at it. You know, if my editor, in, you know, forwards it to me specifically, maybe I'll read it. But um, yeah, if you're, if you're trying to pitch something, be specific to the reporter or be specific to the outlet 
as best you can. Okay, I want to I want to backtrack just a little bit to um, just talking about like covering those community issues. Um, what do you see then in that relationship we just talked about? What is the role then of PR people in bringing attention to things that um, journalists, you know, being the watchdogs and the detectives, they kind of they can sniff it out and that's their job to find that. But whereas PR people are so focused on the company um, or the organization they're working for. Do you have any words of advice to PR students on how to keep that consciousness up and be looking to advocate for a community while keeping an organization's interest in mind? Yeah, that, that's a really good question. Um, I think for PR professionals, uh, and I've seen it done a few different ways, uh, so I guess I'll give a couple examples of each way that I'm about to describe, but uh, I think there is the uh, the macro approach, which is kind of, hey, there's this big ongoing issue. Our client, whether it be, you know, the city government or the, a private company, we have a solution for at least one small part of this big issue. And we want you to cover this small piece because it'll help us all reach this end goal of fixing this issue. Um, that works. Then there's kind of the micro approach where it's like, hey, we're not sure if you know, this really specific community is doing this cool thing that we think is awesome and we want to highlight it. And we know you guys, you know, sometimes highlight really small, specific community things. We think, you know, that would be a good idea for you to interview us, you know? Uh, so those are two of the ways that I've seen it done. Uh, and then there's people uh, I've noticed in my email who can kind of do both at the same time, where it's like, tax foreclosure really hit Detroit hard. This one neighborhood got hit really hard and the city wants to do this. You should come out and cover that because this is an awesome solution. We got people you can interview already ready to go and are like already expecting your call. That, that actually happened to me like a month, a month ago or three weeks ago now that I think of it. So yeah, those are, those are like some of the approaches that I've seen work. Um, and if you're a young PR pro, I mean, I think just like a journalist, you know, you got to have your sources in your community. You got to have sources within different organizations to like kind of get a beat on what's going on. So you can kind of better understand how to pitch different things and, and understand like, hey, there's this event today. And even if you're not interested in covering the event, this person from the community who can speak on a wide variety of topics will be there. So if you have any stories where this person might be able to help you, you should come out and show up. You know, that that works, too, sometimes hmm. in your writing. Do you find that in, in events like those or, or, you know, I mean, any story, really, that covers what you see as an important community piece? How do you do? You, are there specific taxi, tactics you use to go about making sure that the that your writing can make people care almost? Uh, obviously, that's a really yeah. hard thing, but yeah, that that's a no, that's a really good question. Um, and I think it's something that I'm still kind of like improving on, even though I follow this very basic principle that I learned way back when I was in journalism school. It feels like, it feels like yesterday, but it was now that I'm like thinking about it, I was like 2014, 2015. Um, but my professor said really simply stories are about people. And if you follow that like small bit of advice, any story you do like highlight how this affected a person or a group of people, right? Tax foreclosure is such a big thing uh, and it's got a lot of complex moving parts. But for me, it's like, all right, I'm no expert in tax foreclosure, um, far from it, actually. 
But if I can focus on what one family experienced, what one neighborhood experienced, what one block in the neighborhood experienced, then I can tell the story. And then all the other details, you know, I can sort out later. Um, so for me, it's all about trying to tie every issue to a person, um, whether it be someone who's already been affected or someone who's just concerned. Um, yeah, I think I answered it. I don't know. <laughs> no, that, I, that was amazing. And I think it's funny how easy it is for us, especially the PR side, as we're studying things just to be like, oh, there's an event coming up. <laughs> you know, get a quote from the CEO or whatever. Yeah. And it's not at all the same thing that you're talking about where it's like that event might impact people. So why aren't we talking about the people? Um, yeah. And I, and I think journalists fall into that trap too. Um, you know, we think about like uh, in Detroit, you know, obviously we've, we have a lot of crime problems here. Um, and I did a story for PBS uh, back in the fall about gun violence and what it takes away from communities and families and growing up here so often, I would read these stories and it was just like the number of people who died um, and a quote from the police and maybe a quote from like one family who lost somebody. But if the story is focused on the family first, you can kind of pull out why it's such a big deal for people. It's like uh, I focused on like this one woman who died. Right. And then later in the story, I'm like, she's one of 330, you know, so it's like the care and attention you give to one story, you kind of help amplify it throughout, you know, once you give that number and once you give the broader context. Yeah, and I've noticed that even in a lot of the reporting I've been reading from the Ukraine-Russia conflict right now. Right, like, yeah. The ones that stand out to you are the ones that can pull those people out and make you realize how many of those people are being affected. Yeah. Right, and it's like, especially, you know, in, in America, we have this tendency to like think about these foreign conflicts as like, oh, that's their problem you know, that's all the way over there or whatever. But then when we think about it, like, what if this happened right here in my neighborhood? Like, which families that I know personally would be affected? Who do I know that would be, you know, a name on a memorial board now? Like, that's kind of how journalism works at its best. It's, it's highlighting a big, big issue through the eyes of one person. Hmm. Have there been any, like, tangibly positive outcomes that you've seen come from the writing you've done, or maybe it's just relationships you've built, but um, ways that you can see what you're doing kind of take hold in the community? Um, a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I think so. A lot of my reporting on the police department, uh, especially in the past year has really been about like surveillance technology and oversight. Um, and I think about like things like facial recognition technology, which are like big issues in the tech industry. And uh, they get a lot of shine in other outlets because it's such a big, but like a hot button issue. But then, you know, one of the oversight things that I covered was about uh, speed bumps in neighborhoods. You know, there was a big issue and I guess it's not was, it's an ongoing thing in Detroit where people speed through residential neighborhoods. Um, and I, was just like listening in a meeting one day and I was like, huh, speed bumps. That's something I don't hear people complain about all that much or demand all that much. So I did like three stories on just speed bumps and people loved it. Like, <laughs> like immediately, like people were talking about like drag racing through neighborhoods in a meeting. And I just decided to write about it because I was like, all right, well, that's a very hyper local story that no one else is really covering. 
And then in the next meeting, the police were like, all right, we uh, were devising a plan around drag racing through neighborhoods. And it's like, wow, that happened so fast. <laughs> you know, it only took a few residents complaining and then me writing about it for it to like kind of catch fire. So, um, yeah, I think that's like the one example where I'm like something I didn't necessarily expect to catch on, catch on. Hmm. That's really cool. I mean, just to be able to see things take hold like that. That's really cool. Um, okay. Two, two pronged question here to wrap up, but right. if you had to do it all over again, would you still choose journalism over if, if you had to choose between journalism and PR and what advice could you give to current students of either side um, in, in deciding that path? Um, obviously they, they are, they have similarities, but they're quite different. So uh, what can you speak to that? Yeah. Um, so it's, it's really funny. You mentioned that I actually, when I was in Grand Rapids covering stuff in West Michigan, my roommate, uh, I mean, he's still a PR guy, but he was a PR guy then. Um, he worked for a local um, PR agency in Grand Rapids and we lived together and we would always talk about the difference. Um, I would still choose journalism. Um, I think for me, like I'm just a natural storyteller. Um, like in, in all of the things that I do, like in my free time, like I'm always crafting narrative to some degree. Um, so I would still choose journalism. I think my roommate would still choose PR and his, his reasoning is in journalism, like you're tasked with caring all the time and it's exhausting. It's draining in PR. You're tasked with caring about what your client needs you to care about, um, which can be kind of liberating for a lot of us who a lot of us in, in both fields are very like empathetic people. Naturally uh, we're people who naturally want to do good and care for the betterment of human beings. Um, and in PR, sometimes you can like detach yourself just a little bit more from the issue and you can focus on, all right, let me not think about the daunting issue. Let me think about what my client is doing about the issue. And that can like help you kind of like stay rejuvenated and, and, and motivated to like do the work. So I think for me, I would still choose journalism. And if someone's kind of figuring out which, which way they want to go, um, just as all of my PR professors in college said, PR does pay better. So if, if that's something that is like really important to you, like PR probably is the better fit for you. Um, if you were more so interested in like really getting at a, at a grassroots community level, journalism is probably better for you. But, you know, even, even then, like depending on where you work, that balance could change. So um, I would say weigh your options, uh, try things out. A lot of, a lot of colleges like, have multiple media outlets and multiple organizations you can join, um, just like, you know, the PR organization you're with. Uh, so try things out, um, figure out what you like, what you don't like, and figure out why you like it or don't like it. Um, and then, you know, once you enter the workforce, like really try to maximize the things you like in your work environment and minimize the things you don't like. Thank you for saying all that. I, th we don't find that kind of thing in our textbooks. And I think it was, it's really helpful to hear uh, that side of things from someone who's in the field on the other side of it. Um, so thank you. Um, are there any other things that we, that we didn't hit that you would just, that are burning on your heart to share? Um, I feel like I did have something before. Oh, I know what it was. Uh, if you are young and coming out of college, ask for what the starting salary is always ask and always negotiate for more, even if it's more money than you expected to get offered. 
Um, that's something I, a lot of us don't do early on. Like we take what we're given because we're like, oh my goodness, like this is a great opportunity. I've never been given one. Um, but a lot of us on both sides, journalism and PR are actually underpaid. So always negotiate for more. Uh, and it's really, people feel awkward about that, but it's actually really easy to do. Um, what you always do is when you get offered, you're like, oh, I love that you, you know, I appreciate this offer. Anyway, I can make more. I mean, I'm, I'm looking to save up. I'm looking to buy a house. I'm looking to, you know, whatever it is. Uh, and just ask for a little bit more and see if they give it to you. And if not, you know, sometimes they just can't afford more. You know, you're budgeted at a certain spot. Other times they'll give you more. So, you know, never be afraid to ask. Hmm. That's also really good to know. We don't talk about that too much. <laughs> uh, well, thank you so much, Bryce. Uh, I'll, I'll drop your social contacts um, in, our, in our description. So if listeners want to follow along, um, they're welcome to do that. But thank you for being on the show. Of course. And there you have it. If Bryce's words resonated with you the way they did with me, I would highly recommend following him on Twitter and connecting with him on LinkedIn. If you're interested at all in hearing about what he's doing or following up on his work, that is the place to go. So thank you so much for listening, and we will talk to you next time on PR Hangover.